where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford Podcast. This morning, we are going to begin a new journey. And I say a new journey because of the simple fact we are probably about to to dive in to one of the most amazing books of the Bible. And it's not an amazing book of the Bible because I say it's an amazing book of the Bible. It's an amazing book of the Bible because God says that it's an amazing book. Amen? You know how we know it's amazing? It was one of the 66 that God chose to put in his his book. And so therefore, it's important. I've had people text this week as we have thrown this piece of artwork on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter that simply says, we shall live by faith, Paul's letter to the Romans. For you that have been with us for a while, you remember when we journeyed through the book of Matthew. It took us almost two years. Church, I have no idea how long it's going to take us to get through this book. But let me make this guarantee to you. If you will open up your ears and you will open up your hearts and you will open up your eyes to what the Scripture is about to teach us, I can guarantee you this. This is not a 1-800 guarantee. This is not a website guarantee. But I can guarantee you this based on it being the Word of God. That this Word will change who you are. And when we sing this song again, and, and you sing it as this idea that it is His breath filling up our lungs. Let me tell you something, church. You will not be able to sing it as quietly as you just did. I'm not embarrassed that you can hear me over all the rest of you. Now, I'm embarrassed by the fact that the brother can't sing. But I'm not embarrassed that my praises are being lifted up to God this morning because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And church, I got to ask you a question this morning. And I don't want you to answer. Because if you answer, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that there is another line coming. And if you answer this first question, I'm not sure that you can follow it up with the second one. Are you ashamed of the gospel this morning? Are you ashamed of the gospel this morning? Because church, here's what I'm convinced of. If we're ashamed of the gospel on Sunday, we can forget living out the gospel on Monday. This morning, we will dive into Romans. Our goal is to get through 17 verses. But if we don't get there, that's okay. There's always next week. But we will start in Romans chapter 1 this morning and go all the way down to verse 17. But before we do that, I want to read to you from my notes, and a brother finally got smart. Okay? For you that don't understand why the others are laughing, a couple of weeks ago, and I've gotten your messages, thank you. 
I've even got your phone calls. I've got your encouragements. You need to lose your notes more often. I hear you. But trust me, I'm ADHD, and you do not want me losing my notes more often than not. But my iPad lost my notes somewhere in the cloud, and a brother had to shoot from the hip. And praise God for the Holy Spirit, amen? This morning, we will see the importance of the letter. We will, ins- we will see this morning the importance of letter writing. Now, remember the letter that we're about to dive into was written in 57 A.D., 57 A.D., Paul did not actually get to Rome until 60 A.D. So understand, he wrote this letter, and what's funny is he's not actually the one who wrote it. He wrote it, but but his assistant, Tercius, or Tercius, his assistant is actually the one that wrote it because Paul was so jacked up from all of his shipwrecks and his beatings and, and, and being jailed and chained that he could not write it for himself. So he said these words, and his assistant there, she wrote these words. Two weeks ago, we finally got to Rome with Paul as we wrapped up Acts. Paul knows that this letter will eventually become a letter to the church of Rome. I don't know if he realizes the significance that it would have not only on the church of that day, but also us. It will, be more than, it will be more than just one of the most significant pieces of literature the Lord would ever commission his most horrific evangelist to write, Swindoll says. Little does Paul or anyone else realize the impact it will have throughout centuries to come, including us this morning. You see, we have lost the art of writing letters, church. We would rather just text or Snapchat or instant message or someone, or if it's really, really important, we might email someone. And you might be asking, what's the difference? First of all, I want you to understand something. Too often, I text you or you text me, and we don't understand the emotion behind that text. The other thing is, too often we snap or we insta, and we don't realize that as soon as we snap or we insta, you cannot go back and correct that which you just sent. But you see, in a handwritten letter, you are actually taking the time to think about the audience to which you are writing to, and when you are thinking about that audience, church, it's something special that happens because you are writing that letter because you want to make sure the one you're writing that letter to actually hears, not just hears, but feels and maybe even smells the experience that you were experiencing when you were writing that letter. Some of you in this room have never actually received a handwritten letter. And some of you are like, there's no way. There's no way. No, there are people in this room, because of the lost art of letter writing, have never received a handwritten letter. Can I tell you something? The year was 1997. I was in between my freshman and sophomore year. I had been selected through the Baptist Student Union to go serve as an evangelist on a preaching team in the northwest part of the country. If you don't know where that is, just turn on the news and you'll know exactly where I'm talking about. Washington, Oregon, Northern California, and Western Idaho. It was the longest 13 to 14 weeks of my life. 
because I was preaching about my first love, but I left my second love in Cleveland, Mississippi. I'll never forget before going how many 500-minute phone cards I bought. Parents, you can explain that at lunch, why they had to have a 500-minute phone card. But every week I would get to a new location. Our team would get to a new location and we would preach and we would evangelize and we would go door to door and and we would share Jesus with people. I loved it so much because the thing about that part of the country, and don't make your view on that part of the country based on what you see on the news right now, but the people who lived there, who grew up there, had no understanding of the gospel because the gospel had not yet been preached there. I love when somebody'd slam the door in my face and go get away from me because I don't want anything to do with that God. You know why I love that so much? Because I'd rather you tell me the truth than to lie to me for year after year after year after I've devoted my time and my energy to your life and then you still are faking it. But I'll never forget our first few days there. We went through orientation and about day three they came through there saying, mail call, mail call. And y'all, y'all know how much I love that woman. For you that might be new to our home, our house, my wife's name is Beth. We met when I was a senior in high school. I would not have graduated high school if it was not for her. Adam and Caleb are not going to graduate high school if it's not for her. We're in college now at that time. I'm serving there. She sends me these letters Every week, one for every day. Let me read what I wrote, because if not, I might go way too far. I'll never forget the summer of 1997. I was serving in the, specific, in the Pacific Northwest in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Northern California. Beth and I were over 2,500 miles away from each other. And I'm pretty sure it was the longest 13 to 14 weeks of my life. However, however her letter to me Her letters to me is exactly what got me through it. You see, a letter is more than a phone call or a text or even an email. A letter had her handwriting. You ever seen my wife's handwriting? If you've received a wedding invitation in this town, you've probably seen my wife's handwriting. The chick's got some beautiful handwriting. As I would read that letter, Huck, I would say, Beth held these pages. She wrote on these pages. Sometimes you can even smell the person who wrote it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to play too much into this, but I can't tell you if she might not have actually wiped some of her perfume on those letters. Remember, we're not married yet. There was a whole lot of praying going on. Praise God, we were 2,500 miles away from each other. That bothers you. I live in the real world. You ask any person who's ever served in the armed forces or a conflict or any type of distance, the greatest part of the day or the week was mail call. You see, letters are important today as well as the coming, as, letters are as important today as they were then. And in the coming weeks, we will just see how important letters are, especially this one. You see, Paul had never been to Rome. 
But the people that were in Rome were the barbarians. They were the Greeks. They were those, there, there were those people there. The heathens, most of the world would call them. But you see, Rome was the center of the world at that time. It was the port city. I mean, it was the most important place in the world. It was the place of theater, of music. It was the place of everything, church. And Paul knew that if he could reach Rome for the gospel, then Rome would reach the world for Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father God, I need you this morning like I've never needed you before. God, we are about to break open one of my most favorite books of all the Bible. But God, I pray this morning that I would not get in the way of your word. God, I pray this morning that you would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. God, I understand that this is a letter from Paul, but God, more importantly, it is a letter from you. God, I pray this morning that we would feel you, that we would smell you, that we would experience you as these words come alive to us today. God, I pray this morning that as Paul took on the name of being a servant, even a bond servant, or even a slave to Jesus Christ, that we would do the exact same thing in our faith today. And Father, for us who don't know Christ, for those who are in our midst or maybe watching online this morning that don't know the hope of Jesus, I pray today that they would see that you stepped out of heaven, became fully man, yet fully God, to take our place so that we would have access to heaven. And Father, when we receive that, we can no longer be ashamed of it. We must preach it. So God, may I be your vessel today. And God, may we have church up in this place today. And may you get the glory and may you get the praise. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, the one I want to be like when I grow up. I don't know about you, but in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Throughout our time in Romans, I and others will help us break down this beautiful letter. We will use many great works to share from. This morning is a disclaimer that most of what I'm about to say to you didn't come from fish. It came from the likes of J. Vernon McGee, Charles Swindoll, R.C. Sproul, Warren Wiersbe's, and writings from a guy named Chris Tigreen. I also want you to know that we will take our time as we walk through the book of Romans. But as we take our time and we walk through this book, I want you to know, I want you to know that this text will change our lives. Amen? Turn with me to Romans chapter 1 and read with me all the way down to verse 17. Romans 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom he have from whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. 
First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may mutually encourage, be, be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want to be, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Listen to verse 14. I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also in Rome. Listen to this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You might say, well, preacher, you seem like you're preaching with a little different fire this morning. Well, church, don't get it twisted. The only fire I got in me is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it cannot be contained in human bodies. It has to come out. It has to be preached. Look at verse 17 with me this morning. If you write in your Bible... As the young Muslim taxi driver in Jordan looked at me when I handed him an Arabic written Bible and I had underlined scripture and I handed it to him, he said, I cannot believe that you write in the holy book. Church, a man who does not even believe in our God, does not, he believes Jesus to be a good man, maybe even a good friend, maybe even a good teacher, but he didn't really believe who Jesus was, even himself understood that, the, that God's book is a holy book. But I want you to know that I think God is okay with us underlying the Holy Scriptures so that we won't forget what the Scriptures say. So this morning, if you underline, I would go ahead and say that in chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, you better get some different color pens because you're going to probably be underlining a whole lot of stuff. I don't know if you've ever memorized Scripture, but I would challenge you and encourage you to memorize verse 16 and 17. Because not only is it the theme of the book of Romans, it's probably the theme of Paul's entire ministry. And church, I'm not trying to say we ought to be like Paul. We ought to be like Jesus, but we'll never make it on our own. So why don't we just settle with trying to be like Paul? I'm joking, church. We should always try to be like Jesus. But if we can't hit that mark, at least let's try to be Paul, like Paul. Verse 17 for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. I want to start there, and then we'll go back. Paul's letter to the believers in Rome call, can be called many things. Some might call it the first systematic book of theology of the Christian faith. Others may consider it the believer's constitution, Swindle says. He goes on and says, we might even call it the manifesto of the new kingdom, for it not only declares our essential beliefs, but also establishes our agenda as Christ's disciples. But more than anything, the words Paul and his assistant 
Tarsius's pen 20 centuries ago are nothing less than the word of God through the human agency the almighty creator has breathed out revealing a grand plan. Church, I want you to know this morning that when we were praying as a praise team and as elders this morning, I lost it in my prayers because how often do I take for granted the opportunity that I get to stand before you, that our messages go out onto the world wide web through Facebook and YouTube. How often do I take for granted this opportunity. And church, shame on you. How often you take for granted getting to open up God's holy word together to encourage one another, to sing praises with one another to our King and to our Lord. Why? So that he would know that we love him and all glory to him. But here's what I want you to see. The grand plan that Romans will teach us, of which all are invited to become a part, is nothing less than the Creator's intention to bring His creation back under divine dominion, to cleanse it of evil, to redeem, reclaim, and renovate, uh, uh, reinvent the universe so that it might fully reflect His glory again. Listen to this, church. Swindle says, the plan of salvation is good news to each individual, but greater news is the return of God's righteousness to its rightful place in the world. Someday, amen? Oh, undoubtedly, you didn't hear me, church. Someday, amen? amen. That he will return to his rightful place. We want to know what's wrong with the world today because God is not in his rightful place. The world is in chaos. The world is jacked up. I would put it more bluntly, and if it offends you, forgive me, but sometimes the truth needs to be said bluntly. It's the reason we're so screwed up, because sin leads to death, and Christ leads to life. The writer goes on and says this, Christ will tear the veil between heaven and earth, and the righteousness of God will sweep the prince of power of the air, Ephesians 2.2, from his stolen throne and will again rule over creation. This future is inevitable because God's plan is unstoppable. In the meantime, the righteousness of God lives in the hearts of those who have received his grace through faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Here's the first two questions you got to ask yourself the questions. You have to ask yourself these questions before we go any further. Therefore, each individual reading Paul's letter to the Romans must answer two questions. Swindle says, first, will you allow God's transformation of the world to begin with you? I'll say it again slowly in case you missed it. Will you allow God's transformation of the world to begin with you? I would go so far to say, do you need a personal revival in your life? If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, if you've confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord, if you've been dunked in the waters, if you've walked the aisle, if you call yourself a Christian, would you draw a circle around you in these days and say, God, if there's going to be a revival, will you start it inside this circle before you go anywhere else? Will you allow God's transformation of the world to begin with you? As Paul will explain, this is not an invitation to try harder. Some of you in this room, you are trying so hard, but you're coming up so short. Because church, so badly, we cannot understand grace 
but a plea to submit to His grace before it's too late. Will you allow God's transformation of the world to begin with you? Secondly, if the righteousness of God lives within you now, will you keep it hidden? If the righteousness of God lives inside you now. So you say you're a Christian. You say you're a follower of Christ. You say you've put your trust and faith in him. Then, therefore, the righteousness of God is in you. And therefore, you have to ask the second question. Will you keep it hidden? If you lack knowledge, you know what Romans says? Read on, young brother or young sister. The book of Romans will explain to you all you need to know. If you lack courage, this exhortation from an interpret apostle and, 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 and to the church in the first century Rome will revive your confidence. So church, I want to ask you a question. Are you ready? I mean, are you ready? Because what we're about to do is we're about to dive in. We're about to get all up in the middle of it. Amen? Go back to verse 17 with me just for a second. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. From faith to faith. You see what Paul is saying to the Romans and he's saying it also to you? If you have faith, you have something to offer your brother or sister in faith. Hear me, church. If your brother or sister has faith, they have something to offer you. You see, it says, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You know where that comes from? Habakkuk 2.4. That is an Old Testament text being prophesied about when it is going to come to full completion. When does it come to full completion is when you understand your life is built on the rock of Jesus Christ and on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the reason it says the righteous shall live by faith. Why am I asking you to memorize Romans 1.16 and Romans 1.17? If that is the definition of what your faith is, shouldn't you know the thesis of what you believe? Go back with me to verse 1. Paul a servant of Christ. Can I just share something with you? None of us normally start out letters by letting people know who we are. We usually are talking to the audience first. But you see, in 1997, as soon as I saw the first letter of that first, of my first initial of my name, many of you want to know how she wrote it on the front of that envelope. It was simple, fish. My wife calls me fish. Some of you have a problem with calling me fish. My own mama called me fish. It's okay to call me fish. I'm not brother fish. I'm not pastor fish. I'm not reverend fish. I know I got all those titles, but just call me fish. But as soon as I saw that first letter, I knew who wrote the letter. Why? Because I knew her handwriting. But he starts out in verse 1, Paul, a servant. The New American Standard says a bondservant. The NLT, the New Living Translation, says a slave of Christ. Paul, a servant, a bondservant, a slave of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Let's break that down. Paul, a servant. Who's he a servant to? Well, I'm glad you asked of Jesus. What is a servant? It's a bondservant. It means that he is not, he is not commanded to be a slave to God or to Jesus. He is chosen to be a slave to Jesus. You know what Paul could have done right here? Paul, a citizen of Rome. 
Remember, that got him out of a lot of trouble in Acts, did it not? Hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do that to me. But that's not what he's trying to say to the Romans. He's saying, hey, look, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Church, I want to ask you a question today because I've had to ask myself this all week and the week before. As I read verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, could I be so honored to be called a servant of Jesus Christ? Could I be so blessed to be called a bondservant, even a slave to Christ? Because church, I'm a slave to a lot of things. You're a slave to a lot of things, but I'm afraid that we're more slaves to sin than we are to Jesus. Paul is saying to Rome, hey, if you want to be who God wants you to be, brother and sister in Christ, you better first learn to serve. If it was good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for us. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. Christ taught us the model first. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. The word apostle means to be sent. Now, Paul's a little bit different in this terminology of apostle. I know a lot of people call themselves apostles today, but can I just go ahead and break it down for you? The only way they're an apostle is if they're being sent by Christ. But to be a true apostle of Jesus Christ, you had to see the resurrected, dead Jesus. Meaning you had to see the one that had died and who came back to life. You had to physically see him. So here's what I would challenge you. When somebody says, I'm apostle so-and-so, you might ought to check their credentials. Because to be an apostle means you had to see the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Some of you are like, well, where Paul see that? Man, how quickly we forget the road to Damascus. How quickly we forget that Jesus appeared to him on that road and reminded him who he was and who Paul was. You see, Paul was called to be an apostle. Church, we're called from the standpoint to be apostles too, but only from the being sent standpoint. We've been called to be sent. Look at what it says, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, a servant, a slave, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be sent by who? Jesus, set apart for what? The gospel. The gospel of who? Not the gospel of fish, not the gospel of the church, but the gospel of God. You know how often we miss that? That the gospel is all about Christ? Look at verse 2. In the verse 1 says, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Check this out. You know where the gospel comes from? It was born out of God's word. God said it, we believe it, period. Amen? I, I understand with the 9 o'clock service, church, but when you, when you, when you hear the truth, you've got to respond to it. The gospel was born out of God's word. God said it. Amen? Look at verse 3. Concerning his son. What is concerning his son? The gospel. Why is Paul a slave? Why is Paul a servant? Why is Paul an apostle? Because it's all about the son. who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God. You know, when we see this idea of being a servant, a bondservant, we kind of get caught up in like, man, nobody wants to be a slave. Nobody wants to be a bondservant. There's some pretty good names in the bond slaves of God, Abraham, Moses, and David, and many others. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be associated with that group of men. You know why? Because every one of them was jacked up. <laughs> 
But every one of them knew God's grace. Every one of them had issues, adultery, murder, all those different things, but every single one of them knew the hope of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. Verse 3, concerning the son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God. And was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Church, let me share something with you. He was the son of God before he ever resurrected. But where does the power come from? According to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. And then look at how verse 4 ends. Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. And then look at verse 6, including you, Romans, including you, worshiper at Community Church this morning, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. By the way, this is just his greetings. This is just his introduction to the letter. He's saying, what's up, folks? This is who I am. This is who you are. We are all called to tell those who don't know the hope about Jesus. Listen to what David Platt says. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. I'll say it again slower because maybe you're like me and you need to write it down. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. And then he finally ends his greeting this morning with this. To all those in in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is kind of his dear John part of the letter. Took him seven verses. Some of us wouldn't look that intently into how we're going to introduce ourselves. But church, can I tell you something? If you've been saved by grace through faith, if you've got the blood of Jesus covering you, you better remember whose you are. You better remember who you represent. You better remember that you no longer are yourselves Your identification is no longer based on your address or your zip code or your family name. Your name is based on the pierced hands of Jesus Christ. Called to be saints. You've been called to be set apart. It's set aside ones. What does that mean? Church, we now have our identity today that not will we be saints when we get to heaven. We're saints today. Why? Because we are holy because he is holy. I love how we walk around here all defeated. The enemy this morning, even in our live stream, has tried to get in the way because God knew that this message, I mean, the the enemy knew that this message would be God's message, not because fish preached it, because God's word said it. And so the enemy started messing with our technology. But can I tell you something, church? God is bigger than technology. Can I get an amen? Then we shift from greetings to his longing to go to Rome. It's going to pick up. They're behind me. I understand that. They're not going to lunch early. They still got another service. Listen to verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Let's just go ahead and break this down. The world there is not literally talking about the whole world, but the world that they knew. The world that anybody that would read this message knew about. Their faith was being proclaimed to that world. Verse 8, we see that Paul affirmed them. Church, do you know that the reason that the church exists today, the reason that you exist today as a follower of Christ is to affirm another? 
I believe that there's somebody in this room, it might be their first time today, but they have faith in Christ and they feel like they're weak. They feel like they don't have anything to share. I want to affirm over you this morning in Jesus' name that if you are a child of God, it does not matter what the world says about you. It does not worry about where, it doesn't matter what social media says about you. If you belong to Jesus, you are the child of a king and you walk in that affirmation this morning because that's who you are, not who everybody else says you are. So Paul affirmed them. Look at the next thing that Paul did, verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I mention you. You know what verse 9 says, for God is my witness? You know what he just did? He just swore by the Lord. He did. For God is my witness. What he's saying is, Gary, is that God is my witness. I don't know if you know this or not. I'd rather you be my witness because if God's my witness, that means it's for real and I want him to be my witness. But I promise you this, until God says that, I'm probably not saying that. Yeah, I was with me. Huck was with me. Ronnie was with me. But when you say, when you say, for God is my witness, you can't lie, church. But can I tell you something? God sees it anyway, does he not? You know all that junk you're trying to hide? He knows your junk. Praise God for grace. Can I get an amen? He affirmed them. He prayed for them. Look at verse 10. Y'all start playing. Go ahead. Mike, speed me up. Always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. He prayed for them. He affirmed them. He expressed his desire to be with them. Then look at verses 11 through 13. He promised to assist them. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. And then look at this. This is what's so cool. The reason he wanted to be there is because he knew that he had not arrived yet. Church, if you are here today and you think that you've arrived, that you don't need any more Jesus, that you don't need any more grace, that you don't need any more faith, if you don't need any more gifts, then get away from me. Because you will not be to completion until you stand before his holy throne. You got something to give, church. Guess what? Those people that you do life with, they got something to give to you. Couldn't wait to get there. And he knew that until he got there, he was going to assist them. He was going to encourage them. He was going to pray for them. He was going to affirm them. About to pick up. Look at verse 14. I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I'm eager, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. You see, Paul's passion burned. He was on fire. John Wesley says this. This is good stuff, church. Don't miss this. John Wesley says this. If you set yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. So I'm, eager, I'm under an obligation. Why is he under an obligation? Because he's been saved from so much. Church, can I get a witness this morning? What you been saved from? I, undoubtedly, I must not be speaking very clearly. What have you been saved from? You are now under an obligation. 
As Platt says, on this side of heaven, every saved person owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Why? Because he loved you enough to give it to you. You ought to be obligated enough to give it to somebody else. Come on, Stack. Keep hitting that drum, girl. Let's see what happens. But he doesn't end there. Listen to what he says. I'm obligated both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. If this won't preach, I don't know what will. Today, church, we must do the same. We must be obligated. We must preach the gospel. Do you realize the labels that we put on the church, Methodist and Presbyterian and Baptist and even Evangelical, that most people on the streets don't even know what those words mean? The gospel must go to the streets. And how does it go there? Between you and me. Finally, listen to this. This is where we end, verses 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I got anybody out there in the 116? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Listen, church, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Here's what I want you to see. If any person says Jesus is anyone other than God in human flesh and that he, that he or she cannot be trusted to teach others. You know who Jesus was? He was fully God, yet fully man. Why? So we would have a model. We don't talk about some faith that we don't know about. We talk about a faith that is real. We talk about a faith that we've seen and we've experienced. God did not save us merely to deposit a set of theological principles. Uh, 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 R.C. Sproul says he did not save us to deposit a set of theological principles in our heads. We are saved in order to surrender our lives to Christ. So church, I'm going to say it again, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Sin leads to death. The gospel leads to life. And everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is this. For in it, for in what? The gospel, that which you're not ashamed of is is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The theme of Romans, the theme of Paul's ministry and I would say even the theme of our ministry. We shall live by faith. We shall live by faith. Unashamed. With boldness. Not our power, but his power. Why? Because he said so. Will you stand with me? Haley, will you put verse 16 back up there for us? Church, the way we're going to respond today is this. We're going to respond by saying this text together. You ready? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek.
I don't know who you are, but God does. There's a man or woman in this room that's never given their life to Christ. And today is going to be the day of salvation. Not because I said so, because he said so. There's another person in this room, and it might be plural. You might be called people. You've called yourself a follower of Christ. You say you have faith. But when the rubber actually meets the road, and you're around all the people in your life, you feel that presence that just came over you. That's not the air-conditioned church. That's the Holy Spirit of God saying that I'm speaking to you today. Fish is just a vessel. He's just a messenger. Don't miss what he's about to say. You are ashamed of the gospel, and today you put that ashamedness to the side. Today you claim that Jesus is who he says he is. You claim that he is the healer of COVID. He is the healer of your depression. He's the healer of your addiction. He is the healer of our problems. He is the solution. He is the answer. He is the power. He is the salvation for everyone who calls on his name. And if you're uncomfortable this morning, praise God. We're about to sing a song, and it is an anthem. Hear me, church. It is an anthem. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, sing it like you believe it. Amen? Father God, I thank you for this day. Have your way in this moment. Have your way in this moment. To you be the praise. To you be the glory. To you be the honor. In Jesus' name. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.